Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello. You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Dab Wolf. And I decided to invite Dr. Stan Korn, the professor, back on the show. When I saw on the news, like probably many of you did, the uh, terrifically funny footage of a person trying to get on a plane with a peacock and another person trying to get on the plane with the squirrel, each one claiming that this is going to calm them. Well, it's their PTSD pet. And, you know, if I was on that plane, having a pet squirrel on the plane with me would not calm me. Neither would a peacock. I know what they sound like. And I very likely, do, I don't think they'd be pooping in litter boxes. So I want to ask Dr. Korn, what is all this about these anxiety assistance animals? And where should the line be drawn, Dr. Korn? Welcome to the show, well, by the way. We're talking with UBC <laughs> professor, Dr. Corin. He's been on my show many times. He's a professor of psychology, and he's written many best-selling books on dogs, too. So I love to put these weird psychology questions to him. So if you've ever wondered why dogs or cats or animals do what they do, this is the kind of show for you. We're going to talk about the psychology behind us, humans and the animals. And so... The first question is about these people who want to get these odd animals on the plane. What's going on there? Well, I'll tell you. You know, <laughs> there, there's bound to be in the news sometime soon somebody who wants to get on the plane with a bowl carrying their emotional support goldfish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have to understand that there's lots and lots of data which suggests that when you interact, with a familiar and friendly animal. And most of the research has been done on dogs. And uh, if you're interacting with that animal and petting it, there's a whole bunch of changes which occur in your body. Your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure goes down, your muscles relax, you breathe more regularly, and there's even evidence that there are hormonal changes so you get oxytocin, which is a, a hormone oh, associated the pain with painkiller. That's and, the one and, that makes us pregnant mothers have an easier time delivering. I know that one. Yes, well, it's also associated with affection. So nice when you're caressing somebody, the oxytocin uh, flows uh, more, and the corticosteroids, the stress hormones, go down. So there are good things associated with this. The data says that the uh, largest effects are gotten by interacting with dogs. You get a lesser effect with cats. I have no idea what effect you get with squirrels or peacocks. <laughs> what about fake dogs? Like those fake Asian-made simulated animals that they seem to be passing around old folks' homes. And I find disturbing. I, I don't know why I find it disturbing. Maybe because sometimes... The patient doesn't seem to know it's not a real dog. I don't know what it is that bothers me about that, but is that a, the same as a dog, the fake no. dog? No. Okay. An awful lot of the effect has to do with touch. So, you know, feeling that fur and the warmth is really important. But uh, equally important is the fact that there is an emotional responsiveness. You get this reciprocity. So you touch the dog and the dog 
responds with particular behaviors to you. And that kind of social support, there's all sorts of psychological evidence which shows that we manage stress an awful lot better when we've got emotional support, even just somebody sitting, you know, near us. But it has to be alive. <laughs> you know? Okay. Your pet rock so it can't fake it. A, it can't be so like can't. a simulated cat that purrs or a dog no. that wags its tail. <laughs> That's how I no, picture it. <laughs> no, actually, uh, there's been some research, which, uh, you know, there was one thing which used, I don't know, it looked like a like a large rat to me, which was a furry thing which actually had a vibrator inside, so it did purr. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And kids seem to like it better than, than one which doesn't purr, but it had no effect on the stress re reactions of the adults. So, so um, do you think an airline is justified in saying, like, dogs only or dogs and cats only or like what <laughs> would a would a hedgehog I, be I, okay like um, i'm trying to I, think on this i'm trying to be open-minded okay the, the uh, these rejections were done in the states and there is a persons with disabilities act and it says that licensed therapy dogs or service dogs like for the blind and deaf must be taken on but the big problem is a whole lot of people are using this as an excuse to bring anything they want on. So, you know, they bring their pet, whatever it is, on. And none of these things have been certified and none of these things have been specially trained. And I think that unless they've been trained and certified, they should not be on. Yeah, I and agree with that. It, you know, the difference between, even though, I mean, I, I breed puppies and I sell puppies. And last year I had a litter of nine standard poodles where three went to service. And I mean, their siblings that didn't go to service are very similar. But once they're trained and certified, these dogs that we know, like, it's so they are so predictable and so guaranteed to behave in a certain way in public. Whereas their siblings, well, maybe they'll have a mischievous day, a naughty day, and make on the carpet an accident or yeah. do something inappropriate. I mean, even though they're the same potential almost, it's the training that goes into them makes them able to pass in society. And I don't think that's people right. get that. That's right. And, you know, the fact that we draw comfort, I mean, you know, I draw comfort from my old empty-headed little cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And, you know, he's... <laughs> His his skills are are really quite limited. I mean, you know, I had the person who trained the uh, top obedience dog in the U.S. and Canada, Ward Faulkner. You know, try to train him to retrieve, and I he couldn't get out. Ward eventually He's like, said, "That dog if you won't hunt." I think that's a quote from a movie, right? That dog don't hunt. Yeah. I mean, that dog won't well, fetch. That dog just won't yeah. fetch. There are some dogs who won't fetch. They just won't. They look at you like, "Well, why'd you throw it if you want it?" I'm not getting that. That's right. And, just won't do it. <laughs> and Ward finally looked at me and said, you want a dog that retrieves? He said, get a retriever. So I did get yeah. another retriever. So my pup, that's what my puppy is. But anyway. Uh, well, we have to go to break right now. So we're going to pause there. We're going to come back. Before we go to break, though, I want to welcome all the Spotify listeners. That's just terrific. People on their cell phones, people out and about are able to listen to us just with a click on Spotify. So we just got access to millions of new listeners and most of them 
are uh, are pretty young. So we've got a whole new young listening audience, people who would have to pay to take your classes if they wanted to listen to the wisdom of Dr. Professor Stanley Corin, who we've got on air today. So we're going to go to break and we're going to come back and we're going to take a little turn. We're going to stop talking about PTSD. And I'm going to tell you about an amazing little story that happened here. These these three dogs and what they did and how they work together. I love it when dogs work together. So stay tuned, everybody. Animal Party will be back. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, and my guest, Dr. Stanley Corin, Professor Stan Corin. One of his books, Intelligence of Dogs, is uh, one of my favorites. And it has tests in there, and it ranks all the dogs, and it talks about different kinds of intelligence and different kinds of dog breeds. And so, Dr. Corn, I wanted to tell you a little anecdote here. We have these three dogs that come together, Sophie, Avalanche, and Wolf. And um, Wolf is a shepherd cross. Sophie, I'm trying to get this right, which is which, because we always call them together. But one is a Pyrenees, Great Pyrenees. I'm going to get it. One is a Great Pyrenees mix. That's Sophie. And Avalanche is an American Eskimo dog. And Sophie, she's a huge, long-legged dog, very well-behaved. We don't really put a lot of discipline on her. She's terrific. But she often leaps over tall fences. And then she'll leap back again. She never gets off the property. She just goes from one dog play area to another. Little bit of mischief, no big deal. Well, recently, we saw her lie on top of one of these very, very tall gates and just lay there intentionally. I'm serious. It was totally intentional. So that her buddy, Avalanche, the Eskimo Cross, could walk up her like a bridge and go over the gate with her. And then the two of them ran off and played in the little the area they're not supposed to be in yet. They're a little ahead, leaving the shepherd behind. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's just so cooperative. And, and it shows so much about their breeds. The shepherd, of course, didn't follow, didn't join in, wouldn't jump over anything if you paid him, sat there barking. And I thought, uh-oh, I better tell Stan about this. So I also saw on TV that there was a dog who pulled another dog out of traffic and saved it last week on the news. And I wanted to ask you, how common is this, this dogs working together like this? Well, actually, I wrote a couple of chapters about that sort of thing in one of my books. It's actually much more common than you might think. Dogs are social critters. And sort of keeping, to go back to the wolf analogy, to sort of keeping the pack intact is very important to them. And so they do try to render assistance to one another. Sometimes it's deliberate. Sometimes it's accidental, but you can also uh, manipulate it. So let me tell you one of my favorite stories. There is a golden retriever, which had been trained to be a um, seeing eye dog. 
and you know worked until she was about eight nine years old and then you know that's about the time when they start thinking about retiring the dog and so the dog was retired and it turned out that within about three or four months of retirement she went blind so now you have this blind seeing eye dog right and what the owner of the dog this is uh, the person who adopted the dog after she retired goldie's owner took another dog they had another uh, golden retriever in the house and they put a huge bell on her like a jingle bell and that allowed the young dog to serve as the guide dog for oh, yeah, the totally. older blind dog and uh, no problem follow the bell Exactly. And that's exactly the way it worked. And until she, she survived until she was 11. And for those last two or three years of her life, she followed the bell. She had her own assistance dog and it worked out very well. Well, with this, it really looked to me as I was looking out the window and I saw this dog sort of positioning herself and I thought to myself, she's not jumping over it. What is she doing? What is she doing? And then I saw the other one like climb up. I thought this is just like when you see those army movies where the short recruit and the tall recruit, the tall recruit reaches back over the wall and pulls the short recruit over. It's like, that's teamwork. No question. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so yeah, so okay, so I've got some other topics. We had some questions when I told people you were coming on the show. I had a lady contact me who has an autistic child, and she had a very specific question that I know you can handle. I told her a little bit, like get the autistic child to feed the dog and walk the dog and be important to the dog. But her question is, why do some dogs, why do dogs like some people and really not bond with other people? And a follow-up to that is, how can she help her dogs to like her autistic child more? Well, Part of this is going to have to do with breed. Uh, so there are Jack different- Russells in this case, little Jack Russells, uh, middle-aged and elderly. Well, oh, you're shaking not- your head. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ter- it's not ter- the much ter- bucket you were hoping for. No. No, terriers are not, not the most affectionate dogs in the world. I mean, you know, I had a terrier who I dearly loved. And uh, I wrote a book about him, you know, actually there was a book about the the 13-year war that my wife had with this Karen Terrier. (laughs) No, Terriers are not necessarily the most affectionate uh, dogs. There are things associated with the canine personality. For example, do you know where the name Spaniel comes from? Well, well, I mean, I would think little, Spa- little Spain is probably what it means, just looking at the Well, we, we normally name dogs after either the people who created them, like the Jack Russell Terrier from Parson John Russell, or the country, place which they were born. And the, the Spaniels come from Espanol, so it comes right. from Spain. Okay. So that would be the suggestion then that, uh, that they came from Spain. But none of the Spaniels were developed in Spain. So why did they get the name Spaniels? And the reason was that when these breeds of dogs were being developed, the folklore was that the best lovers in the world no. came from Spain. <laughs> no, like and Italians so you nowadays. Had, okay. That's yeah. right. And so you had all these kissy-faced dogs, and regardless of the truth of the matter, they must be associated with Spain. So that's how they, they got to be Spaniels. So a dog like that is much easier. To, to get bonding for. But if you're dealing with a trying to establish a bond, 
with a dog um probably the best trick to use is the is the trick that you use for sort of taming wild animals and that is to hand feed the dog yeah. so so, so what, you don't what, just give a bowl on the floor for free no, no. no right? it's one one kibble at a time and uh and it's even better if you can get the dog to do something like sit or come forward a step or two or that sort of oh, thing. Oh, I don't think that's going to be a problem for those Jack Russells. They like tricks. You know. That's right. And so <laughs> that so that's the trick. You know, you have to feed them one kibble at a time and after a couple of weeks there will be a very strong bond between the child and the uh, dog. Okay, well I'm glad we asked you that. We have to go to break. We'll be back very shortly to talk more with Dr. Corin. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. We'll be back. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. Welcome to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. And I've got Dr. Corin on the air today talking to us about psychological issues, delving deeper into things with animals and people. And um, I'm going to ask him in a minute if he'll come back for a second show because I'm ready. I've got such a long list of questions and only a few minutes left of this show. So hopefully we'll do another show and you'll be hearing from him soon. But wow, I have so many. Uh, that There's another question about if someone has two dogs or one dog, what should they get next? And so sometimes I like to advise people, if you already have a female, get a male. If you already have a male, get a female. Not always, but generally, it's easier. You don't have a king and a prince or a queen and a princess. You have a king and a queen. Nobody's second. It, it can be easier, but not always. What if they have two dogs? They already have a male and a female. Well, normally I would say get another female. Do you have a, a gender opinion on getting second or third dogs? Well, all of my dogs are male. And oh. I've I've only owned one female in my entire life, and that was uh, the dog of my college years. My own feeling is that it really doesn't make all that much of a difference as long as when you're getting the second dog, it's very young. It's a puppy because then the adult dog and the puppy will bond. And, you know, I've had intact male dogs all my life, and they don't fight or anything else because the second dog or the third dog or whatever else I'm bringing in is always brought in when the other dogs in the house are at least five years old. 
And so I'm bringing in an, an eight-week-old puppy. And, and the dog uh, in its prime, yeah. And, and so that tends to work the best. Um, and it doesn't even matter size-wise. Like you might think, well, my little toy poodle, he's five years old, but if I get a standard poodle, how will he stand up to the big one? Oh, he'll stand up to it. Don't you worry. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No problem. They sort that sort of thing out without any problem. But you have to remember, I mean, see, now now there's one place where uh, the sex of the dog does make a difference, and that is males are a little bit more likely to show dominance displays, a little growl or an air snapper, that sort of thing. But female dogs, if they have a dispute, I mean, they're more likely to go at it and draw blood. So, you see, but uh, that's kind of contrary to the bite statistics. You're you're most likely to be bit by an intact male dog more than any right, other kind of dog. That's right. But so we're that's kind of strange. No, when you put it no, no, because it's, oh, you're talking dog on dog aggression. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, okay, yes. yeah, yeah. That's the term okay. bitchy, <laughs> right? Well, well urge, that, right? that's that's exactly where we get that term. Yes, because uh, females are less likely to back down. Males, you know, in a dog on dog situation, you know, they both act uh, macho, and one of them seems more macho, and the other one says, "Okay, you know, that's oh, okay." Oh, it's so much display. <laughs> I've seen dogs yeah. like. This one dog who was, you know, kind of ruler of camp, good dog, big, roddy, and he was my dog. And when bigger, tougher dogs would come, he would literally turn his head on a like a, a 45 degree angle so he wouldn't have to see them because That's he didn't want to d- submit and he didn't want to fight. He just, you don't exist. I don't see you. I don't have to think about it. He'd go about his business, have a great day, wouldn't even look at that dog. <laughs> That's right. And the other dog's fine with that, too. He's like, all right, then. We're at, yeah, it's a truce. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the girls are less likely to accept that. So, I mean, you know, it's different, you know, for people than it. Well, maybe not. Okay. You know what it's different (laughs) for me as a breeder? Because mine are actively breeding and the males have something at stake and something to fight over. I can put two or three females with one male. And that's no problem. But I wouldn't, when anybody's in season anywhere, even a visiting dog at my boarding kennel, if anybody's in heat, the intact boys really can't be together because they'll start acting up. They won't necessarily fight, but somebody is posing to say, I get her first. And somebody's saying, but I want her. And, you know, <laughs> even though nobody's getting her, there's a battle going on for the right to have her. If she somehow presents herself in the field, which she won't, but, you know, they'll fight over the right for it anyway. So I have a little bit, I tend to go with the females as less aggressive because we've got this other thing going on. And that's why I always suggest to people that if they're not going to breed their male dog, they, you know, it's good to neuter him and he won't be as likely to stray and he won't be as likely to fight. I know you're an exception to that rule, but do you still recommend to people that they neuter their male pet dogs? Um, I'm I'm really of mixed mind about the, the neutering. The newest data suggests that the personality changes are not very much and there are some other problems associated uh, with neutering so so i avoid it but of course you know i my dogs are all purebred and they're they're all shown i mean you know i show them in in uh, the confirmation ring is as well as uh, in the obedience ring and so so i can't neuter them (laughs) yeah no i understand and and um okay but i i'm still going to recommend for most people that if you're not breeding your dog and he's intact and he's at the dog park and he smells a female in heat, he's gone. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if there's a road. 
and if he if some other male decides that he smells a female in heat and he doesn't like the look of your dog or he may not even be intact he may just not like the smell of your intact dog your dog becomes a target so it's a lot harder to be a normal person with kids and stroller and dog park and drinking your starbucks at the dog park and not really paying so much attention you can't really do that with the intact males the same way so i really recommend people neuter them and also because of the population problem your dogs stan are not going to get away and make unwanted puppies my customers maybe that might happen when the kid takes it for a walk right because the dog's determined and the kid's yep. unprepared and boom it happens yep. in an instant and now they're locked and the kid's crying because he can't get them apart and it's too late really yep. so <laughs> okay so we have to we have to end the show but if you love this show stay tuned in a week or so there'll be another one all right so thank you very much for joining me today dr corn before we go i know you mentioned i believe a book about a karen terrier a book about the dog you had in college and maybe one more. Do you want to give us those titles? So if people are looking for them. Well, the book about the Karen Terrier, which also includes the dog that I had in college, uh, is called Born to Bark. And uh, actually, that book won the uh, uh, Maxwell Medal of Excellence from the Dog Writers Association of America. So I'm sort of pleased with that. The book about dogs helping dogs is the book which contains the chapters on uh, dogs helping dogs is called Why Does My Dog Act That Way? Oh, nice. So, okay. You know what? That Dog Writers Association, they gave my show, this show, Animal Party, best pet radio show in America. Well, me, best pet radio <laughs> yes. host in America. So um, I won that three times, and I really like the Dog Writers. I like it for the fact that it helps us all communicate with each other, and it helps us. I mean, I learned so much from their, from their postings. It's a great organization. So we're going to go now, and I'm going to have Dr. Corin back. And in a week or so, you'll be able to hear what we talk about. One of my first questions to you is going to be, what makes a hoarder a hoarder? What's the difference between someone who just has lots of animals and someone who has a problem? So we'll be talking about that on our next show and some other things. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to all our Spotify listeners. We'll be back next week on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.